Welcome to the Tactical Riddle Podcast, the podcast about Waymo 40k kill team. My name is Knox and I will be your host. This is episode 2 of the Tactical Riddle Podcast and today is the 11th of January. I'm sorry for the delay on the second podcast. Life's just been busy unfortunately getting back to work and life in general after a new year just picks up quite radically. So first, let's start off. I want to thank our sponsor, Pandemonium Games, for their support. They're the reason why the podcast exists and why we're allowed to have a place to record as well as store our podcast online and share it with people. So you can check them out and support them at www.pandemoniumgames.co.za. And in the same vein as episode one, and I hope you haven't gotten bored of that, I'll be continuing my journey through my Kill Team uh, life or learning experience, starting with my first campaign into Kill Team and last episode I discussed my game Zero which is my first game of Kill Team, well full game of Kill Team and then my first game of my campaign where I narrowly defeated the Death Watch fielded by Michael. So moving on to what's happening and so just a explanation of how the campaign works we have three blocks of three games each. So you'd have three games in three weeks have a one week rest I believe and then another three games same thing repeat again one week rest another three games and that's the end of the campaign so we're gonna we still win the first block here at the moment so we finish game one which is against Michael narrowly beat the death watch won't stop talking about the 11 plus 11 saves I made to survive and win that game uh, game two and game two was against uh, Scott my opponent and he was playing one of the chaos factions the thousand suns now, if you don't know in the lore about the Thousand Suns, they are the Psyker Legion in um, the Horus Heresy. They were the people with the most Psykers, I believe, and they had familiars, and they were very magic oriented, very Egyptian themed. They had pyramids on their planet and stuff like that. And the um, Primarch was the, I believe, the second most powerful Psyker. I don't know, I feel he's, he's, he's probably the second most powerful psyker that ever existed after the Emperor, of course. And he was reluctantly pushed into heresy, even though he tried to warn his father, spoiler, about the impending heresy of Horus. Wow, that's such a tongue twister there. So most of his legion are psychers, and it reflects itself in the um, construction of the kill team that you have. So you and only have Rubric Marines and Zangors. So up until this point, I'd never known what a Zango was in that game. And his construction, I believe, was he had an Aspiring Saucer, which you must have, I believe. Um, and then you have a Rubric Marine Gunner. And he had, I believe it was, oh, a Soul Reaper Cannon, which is quite painful to shoot against, like to, to defend against. I will explain that mid-game as well. And there was a Zango and then a few Rubric Marines. So basic stat line is that they, the Sorcerer is a movement 6, it's on 3's, strength 4, toughness 4, 1 wound, 2 attacks, leadership of 8 and a 3 plus save. Uh, and the gunner you can only have one of, he's almost the same except he has a 5 inch move and he has a leadership value of 7. So I whipped out my obviously my tip to start this team and this time I added a heavy bolter to the team because I felt, you know, a bit of diversity instead of my... Previous build having three intercessors and three reavers, I threw in a heavy bolter there in place of a intercessor. And the mission I believe that we played, if I could just quickly go and check this, I'm busy searching through it now. It's the oh, not sweep and clear. Wow, this is terrible. Is it? 
end of each battle. No, it's not. It's not terror tactics either. Neither it's recover intelligence. I believe it's the one to set up supply lines. Is that the one? No, ambush. No, um, it's the one where you have to hold the points by the end of the game. Yeah, it's probably um to set up supply lines. I have a very strong suspicion it was the to set up supply lines, and um, so I set up my team in cover foolishly uh, at the beginning of round one. Uh, he sets up first, I believe. He starts with his setup, and um, this is my first time playing anything that is not a Detus Astartes. So I'm really excited. You know, he's got one wound models. I'm like, oh, this is really great. I can kill someone. Um, and learning from my other games where I needed to play more aggressively, I felt, you know, this is the game where I'm going to play aggressively. So I've got my Intercessor Sergeant as my leader. I've got my Reaver Sergeant, my Combat Specialist. They're all raring to go. And we're so ready to go and fight people. And my um, Heavy Bolt is there just to give me that little bit of experience with something that's not those six models that I started with. Right. So now, this game is going to teach... This is probably one of the most important games of Kill Team I've played. So, just to give you an idea, I've, they, the Thousand Sons are, the, are one of two factions that have access to the Psychic Phase. And you can only contest the Psychic Phase if you do have access to it. So, any, a non-Psychic Kill Team cannot contest this phase. Um, the Thousand Suns, and obviously, how the Psychic Phase works is you manifest an ability. You have to roll, I think, if it's Cybolt, you roll a 5 or higher and it manifests. And then you, you obviously choose a model within, I think it's 18, if I'm not 100% sure. And then you, um, yeah, then you, you manifest that power and you roll, it's a mortal wound, and you roll on the injury table, and the person either dies or takes a flesh wound. You can read all that role as well as your entire psychic role, but not both of them. And that was painful to play against because there is an ability to stop psychic abilities, which is called Deny the Witch. However, you need to have a psychic, like I said, to do that. So essentially what Scott was getting was one free unmitigatable attack that was purely based on his dice rolls and nothing really. I'm not complaining at all. It's just how the, the game was played out there where I was playing against a psychic team and I didn't have any psychers. So, that as well as coupled with the Icon of Flame. So, the Icon of Flame is at the start of your turn in the Psychic Phase. You roll a d6 uh, for each one in your kill team equipped to the Icon of Flame. And on a 6, you inflict one mortal wound on the closest enemy model within 12 inches of the model being rolled for. So, that's different to the normal manifestation of a Psychic Power, where you roll one die here, and only on a 6. So, it's kind of, there's a low chance of you hitting it, but it's free. Especially if you take the Icon of Despair, which I believe only costs... How much does it cost? Icon of Flame, sorry. The Icon of Flame is only one point, And I mean, one point for a 12-inch mortal wound or something you can see. Which is not bad, actually. I mean, you could just outright kill a model, which is a very strong possibility. You roll six and then six again, and they just die. Although it's improbable, but it is possible. So, that's the one thing I learned in this game. So I charge up my Reaver Sergeant, hoping that, and my Combat Special, hoping I can lock his Soul Reaper Cannon, which uh, profile-wise, let's just go through that quickly, is a 24-inch weapon, Heavy 4, Strength 5, AP minus 3, Damage 1. So the Damage 1 is not the problem, it's the AP minus 3, which is a big thing, because I'm playing Adept Astartes, and we have a 3-up save, automatically making it a 6-up save, which I may never, ever make sometimes. So... 
that was quite hectic. And his comm specialist, interestingly, was his Zango with the Brayhorn, which is 3 points. Uh, the Zango was the first time I've seen this model on the table, and it has no range combat. It only has... Oh, it does that. You, you can give it an auto pistol and chainsword, but I mean, there's no real need. You just give it a uh, the Zango blades. And those blades are the user strength, AV minus 1, 1 damage. And each time he fights, he makes an additional attack. It's similar to the um, falchions that the Grey Knights have, as well as the combat knife, I think, that the Reavers have that I have on my side. And so we set up, and I said, look, let's try and play aggressive. Let's push him off points, you know. I'm hoping that by at least around three or four, I can contest and then force him to come to me because I know that he's not really good with melee combat because most of these guys have guns. And the Zanko was the only thing stopping me. So I roll up there and I try and push him up there. He readies his Soul Reaper cannon. <coughs> I read him a heavy bolter and he has the initiative. And in the first turn of combat, he kills my heavy bolter tactical machine with his AP-3 Soul Reaper cannon. And that was the downfall of the game there because I was really hoping for the um, Heavy Bolter to, you know, kind of survive. At least kill one Rubik Malin, maybe kill the Soul Reaper guy himself. And what's interesting about the um, Thousand Suns, if you kill their leader, they have no way of manifesting, I believe, a Psychic Power. Because it's only the Aspiric Sorcerer can do that. The normal Rubik Marines don't have any Psychic abilities. They can't deny the Witch as well. Which is interesting. So they hinged on this one model, this one linchpin model. Uh, the Zango was also really good. I mean, it's a, very, it's a good close combat model. So, I lose my heavy bolt in the opening round of combat. Um, I take a few pot shots, I don't hurt him. And then at this moment, at the end of round one's shooting combat, I realize that Thousand Suns have an ability called All is Dust. So All is Dust is add one to saving throws for a Rubik Marine, for, or a Rubik Marine Gunner, if the attack has a damage characteristic of 1. In addition, the minus 1 modified to hit rolls for moving and shooting heavy weapons does not apply to rubric with gunners. Ignoring the second sentence, the first one. So you add 1 to saving throws if you're being hit by a damage with a characteristic of 1. And that just means that, like I said, if it's a weapon and it has the D, the damage there, and it says 1 there, he has plus 1 to his save. So all these rubric marines and gunners save on a 2 up against all of my weapons, which is insane because... And he rerolls ones, I believe. With, I can't remember what it was, but I think there's a tactic that allows you to reroll ones as well. So that is actually crazy because now I don't think I can hurt him. I realize this at turn one, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think I can hurt him, but I'm gonna try anyway because this is my second game in the um, campaign. I've committed to nine games, kind of like. Bad if I just say, no, I'm not going to go for it, I don't care. So I say, cool, let's do it, let's try it. What, what's the worst that could happen? I lose horribly. Eh, I'm not too invested in the game, I'm, I'm totally fine. So Heavy Bolter. Heavy Bolter is also a one damage weapon anyway. But with AP minus one. So I lose the Heavy Bolter on the first turn. I think he wounds another Intercessor, I can't remember. And then I flank with my two reavers, three reavers on the one side, try to get into, and I said, okay, what I'm gonna do is, he's all holed up behind this one wall with his soul reaper cannon, he's fine there. I'm gonna charge around and try and cap get his leader. Just like, you know, surgical strike him out of the way, like get around, charge from behind, get him in close combat, 
and murderize him because the, all, his, all his dust does not apply to him, thankfully. Although he does still have a 3-up save, which is annoying. And he can still do the psychic ability. Also, he has a 5-up invuln save, which all the models have, a favorite of Zinch model. So even if you hit them with like massive AP, they still have the 5-up, which is better than the 6-up, really. Uh, which all in all makes them a really good band going through all their stats and stuff. They also have a transhuman physiology where they ignore the penalty, the hit rolls for one flesh wound that has suffered. And another thing that annoys me, which I discovered during the game. So in my kill team, we have a tactic in the Adept of the Start is called uh, Death to the Traitors. So uh, use this tactic when you fight, when you choose a model from your kill team to fight in the fight phase. Until the end of that phase, each time you make a hit roll of six for that model, and the target is headed to the Stardust model which I believe the, um, yes, they do have the keyword, uh, you can immediately make an extra attack against the same model using the same weapon, and these attacks cannot uh, generate any further attacks. And that's one command point for Adeptus Astartes. Whereas, the Thousand Suns have Death to the False Emperor, which is exactly the same ability. If a model with this ability makes an attack in the fight phase, which targets an Imperium model, you each time you roll a hit of 6+, plus, you may make an additional attack with the same weapon against the same target. These attacks cannot generate any more attacks on their own in this way. That's free. That's an ability. That's built into, baked into the chassis of the Thousand Suns. So they don't pay one point for that. That happens automatically on each model, which is really crazy. Anyway, back to the game. So I try and flank. He sends his Zango to stop me, which effectively does work. And I'm trying to get around, and all this time I'm being peppered by these psychic shots, psychic shots, and just like annihilating me. I can't contest it, gets a bit frustrating. And this is turn two, and three quarter way through turn two, after shooting at these um, Rubik Marines and shooting at his leader, and they all save. And I've done no damage at this point, and he's killed one model, and I think he's wounded three at this point. I start to feel at the edge of my mind this, this red haze. That is known as tilting. And if you're new to wargaming or gaming in general, tilting is an uh, unreasonable outburst or thought process, I believe, where your anger overwhelms you with regards to you're not enjoying yourself anymore. You need to remove yourself from the situation or you might do something. You get really angry, you swear, you get violent sometimes. And if you go into YouTube or many board gaming or gaming forums, generally tilting is a common thing, mostly popularized by games of Monopoly and Munchkin, which are both terrible games. So I felt this at turn two. I was like, I I was upset with this ability, this all is dust ability, because I can't hurt him. He's saving on a two plus, And if he rolls a one, he just re-rolls it. And I'm like, okay. Sure, I'm never going to hurt him. And all the while, he's doing uncontested damage to me and I can't do anything. And uh, I don't, not that I lose sight of the objectives, but it's more I need models to hold objectives eventually at the end of round six or four, whatever it is. So round two goes past. I do not lose a model, I believe. And my reavers are, they've made it all the way around the back. They've come out of the terrain and they're about to chop down. They're going to charge the leader. It's going to be fun, there's three of them. Um, and I get the Zango in the way, and the Zango ties up to my model. So round three, the Zango charges me. So much fun. And he locks up my combat, my, one of my, my Reaver Sergeant. Uh, leaving my combat specialist and my other Reaver reasonably free. So I charge with my non-combat specialist, um, 
river at his leader. Make the charge. No problems. Then um, my combat specialist charges his anchor, which is in close combat with my um, river sergeant. And the rest of my models just ready up my intercessor sergeant and the other intercessor that's still there. And I'm hoping like, cool, it's round three. I'm going to kill the Zango. This is my plan in my head. I'm going to kill the Zango because, I mean, he's the easiest to kill. Um, he's got a six-up save, right? Oh, well, technically, he's got a five-up involved save, which you would use always. I don't know why you would ever use the six-up save. And um, I hit the Zango multiple times and he does not die in the fight phase. Oh, but before that, in the psychic phase, I think I lose my other intercessor model. And then the Soul Reaper shoots... Oh, no, no, then the Soul Reaper can't shoot you when there's no one to shoot because my leader's in cover. Then the fight phase, I beat the crap out of his angle and it doesn't go down. I don't do any damage to it. I can't hit it for anything and he saves the, end, the only hit I do. Uh, he then hits my sergeant once and my sergeant goes to one health. His leader then fights the reaver that charged him and kills him outright. And I'm like, hmm, fun, great. And now the tilting is becoming real. I can I can feel myself getting very upset. Like, I'm close to, you know, you know, the symptoms of tilting is you're standing there and someone, you can see someone's tilting when they start fidgeting initially, start throwing dice in components, complaining about bad choices by the opponent. They only win because they play broken mechanics and they can only win with cheese. Cheese is obviously, um, cheese is a, a word used in wargaming that I've learned and board gaming where um, something that's like very like, it's dishonorable to play. It's the, the combo winning thing. The easiest thing to just pick up and say, ah, I win this because it takes no skill. That's what cheese is essentially. Not the delectable uh, food stuff that you can put on sandwiches and other things. So this is round three. And at round four, so round four, I, I, I pause and I take a moment to myself. And Scott's apologizing the entire time because the save is bullshit for lack of a better word. And I take a moment and I realize this is actually my fault. Stunning revelation because this is a lack of knowledge on my part. So if I researched the Thousand Suns better, because we knew up front what we were playing, what the general was playing. Uh, you just chose your kill team obviously the other day, but you know what faction you're playing. And if I had known and I read up on Thousand Suns, and I was like, oh, he brings all, he, that save is insane. I would have bring multi-damage weapons, being anything that does two damage, T3 damage, T6 damage. And um, <clears throat> it was poor list construction on my part, which is equally, well, it's doubly bad in Kill Team because you construct your list at the table. So my ignorance is just so terrible with regards to that. And... I stood there and I took a minute and I said, Scott, I'm really sorry. I felt like tilting for the last round because I can't hurt him. I'd thrown shots in, I'd hit things, nothing had happened. And I felt, visib I felt visibly, oh, felt physically and visibly was upset. And I apologized. I said, you know, this is my fault because I should have read what the Thousand Sons do. And I should have built a better list. And that haze just starts retracting itself when you realize, you know what? You've made the mistake. It's totally fine. Yes, he has a crazy ability, but it's literally negated by the fact that if I brought any other weapon that did multi-damage, now if I go to Adeptus and start his entry, I could have brought any other weapon. Like if I brought a multi-gun to D6 damage, a crack missile and a missile launcher, also D6 damage, a plasma rifle, a plasma gun with a supercharge does 2 damage, 
uh, plasma pistol also the same thing so there are options here and the power first for close combat which is a d3 damage which is things i should have thought about which i didn't which is stupid of me and you need to acknowledge that and this is also a lesson for everyone out there like you know it's easy to tilt you can feel it i felt it coming on and i haven't felt that feeling in since i've started gaming maybe like three or four years where you feel like you're, you're physically upset about something but to quote um, what i learned when i played x-wing is to get good that is the the motto of people is just to get good you know stop complaining and try not to whine and try to get better at the game and i said you know what scott this is a great learning curve and i apologize i shouldn't be acting like this and i proceeded to try and enjoy what was left of the game although i was very far behind at this point i think i'd lost um, three models now and um round four at the end of round four is the only time you can concede in in kill team you can't oh you can't concede i think before that i'm not 100 sure so we waited for the end of round four and i said you know what i've realized i've looked at my makeup of my kill team and yours and i don't think there's any way i can hurt you barring that you make horribly horrible save rolls which are not going to happen so i said let's play out round four i'm gonna concede at the end of round four there's no way i can win this game because uh you've pushed me off all points i've lost three models i have to all control too many points it's not going to happen and we play the game out and at the end of round four i still had not done any damage to him and he had killed four three models three models yeah, i still killed three models and um I was I was um, I was upset because upset at myself, not at my opponent. Because I tried to pride myself on like reading ahead of time and planning and things like this, and I'd let myself down here. And this is like the important learning lesson, learning a learning opportunity that's come out of this is that you need to research. If you know your opponent's playing harlequins, you should know that they do a 18-inch charge. Because if you have access to the rule book, which I did, and I just should have opened it. So, Thousand Suns on page uh, 127, I would have known everything there is to know about Thousand Suns. I mean, there's nothing special here. They've got six tactics, they've got all these stats and stuff, and I would have read, all is dust, oh my word, I should not bring weapons that do one damage. And I would have had a better chance of winning the game. And I said, GG, you know, told Scott, I concede, it's totally fine, there's not much I can do here. That's just how it goes, how the... Um, <laughs> the grimdark cookie crumbles in the Warhammer 40 kill team world. And um, after that, quite a bit of introspection with regards to looking at my kill team and diversifying it. Um, and that's where I picked up the plasma model and the missile launcher as well, the rocket launcher. Just to add them to the kill team so that I can diversify my kill team. Because, I mean, he gave me quite a few tips playing the game and stuff. And uh, it's really good to know. And you're learning. You're learning all the time. So that was my game two, and it was probably the, one of the biggest learning curves. Whereas game one with Michael was the tensest game I've played, um, game two was probably the largest learning curve I've had. Oh, excuse me, just having some coffee. Oh. So, that's game two. Then the final game of the Kill Team campaign. I play against Elaine. Elaine is playing the Tempestus Scions, I believe they call the Aster Militarum, or as everyone knows them, and they should be called the Imperial Guard. So the Imperial Guard focus on large numbers of units and um, swamping people with bodies and throwing guns out. They are actually one of the factions, which I did research, that are able to bring the most plasma weaponry to the game. And plasma weapons are good, as you know, if you play Kill Team, or if you don't, I'll explain why. You can bring plasma because plasma is AP damage, which is very important. Any kind of AP modifier is really good, unless you're playing against 
a team like the Harlequins with um, invuln saves or invulnerable saves, meaning they can't be reduced in any way, but they bring crazy amounts of that. So Elaine brought a elite squad of Militarum Tempestus Scions with uh, probably some of the most annoying weapons in the game. So they've got the Hotshot Laz Gun, I believe, and the Plasma Guns. They put out a substantial amount of dice. And here we played, the mission we played was, let's just go through there. It's not faint, it's that silly mission with the triangular setup area. Let's have a look, I'm currently on the page. There we go, it's on page 58, Recover Intelligence. So you need to hold the point. And how it works is the center point, there are five points on the board. There's one in the middle, that counts for three points if you are the only one contesting it. Then there's two points on your side of the board, which are essentially we drew a diagonal line from the center point to the corner of the mat closest to you on both sides. Halfway up that you put two more and then your opponent does the same thing so there are five in total. The two points in your half count for one point each when you hold them. However the two in your opponent's half when you hold them they count for two points. So obviously the reverse is true for your opponent so they encourage you to go and capture points in your opponent's half obviously. And the center point is always very contested with a straight three points which is really hectic. So we set up, he's got a lot of plasma guns, so much plasma guns, and uh, hotshot uh, blasters and um, all, all the laser pistol guns. So I bring my heavy bolter, I bring my plasma guy this time, I've got two reavers, and I've got two intercessors. And I'm fine, I'm gonna be okay. Oh no, I bring, yeah, two intercessors, two reavers. He's got his elite cosmen with the silly hotshot blasters which do uh, too much dice. There's way too much dice on the table right now. So, he, I believe he was winning at one point. We, we move up, we capture each other's, you, keep, you capture your own point, so we both go to two, I believe, in the first round. A little bit of pot shots happening here and there. Do a flesh wound to a, to a um, guardsman and he does a wound to someone. Nothing too fancy. Round two is where it gets interesting. <laughs> because I remember this is the moment that... Uh, he got upset and uh, nothing against my opponent. It was a very good game. I still think it was a really good game. Uh, so he shoots with one of his plasma rifles into my heavy bolter model. And the heavy bolter gentleman promptly does not save. And he rolls his injury roll and he dies. So then I play, I spend my two command points of the round to play uh, what is the, not honor the chapter, what is the, death and honor, oh, I'm not 100% sure, I could bring it up there, it's the one that comes in the Space Wolves expansion for Kill Team, and it's the death denied, so when a model would be, suffer a mortal wound and be removed, you can spend two command points and they instead suffer a flesh wound, which is hilariously good with the Adeptus starters because you ignore the first flesh wound anyway and you do hit rolls. So instead of that heavy bolter guy dying, he just took a flesh wound, which means nothing's actually wrong with him. Uh, and Elaine would regret that later on because that heavy bolter guy killed a Psy on that turn. And then another plasma guy killed another Psy on that turn. And I'd send my Reaver Sergeant up to try and contest one of the points on his side. And he boldly just moved one of his guys into the middle of the board. And I couldn't move out of there to contest him because he got too, I got too far for the charge. Can't charge him because I've moved too far with my Sergeant. And um, he's got plasma guns covering the alleyways that go towards 
the center point. So I think at the end of round two, he'd lost two scions. And uh, I'd lost nothing so far. Got a flesh wounded um, heavy bolter marine. And he was up, I believe, I think he was on five and I was on four points. He was leading at this point. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's only round two. It's totally fine. We've got four more rounds, potentially two only. And I just need to capture more points in him and get him off the middle point. And sadly, in the next round, this is when things go very downhill for the Astro Militaro. So uh, I win the initiative. Uh, I move up with my leader. He's kind of in cover just to contest the guy in the middle. Um, I charge my Reaver in. I advance him up to try and contest the point on the other side to try and split his forces. It's nice to split his forces and fire so you can't shoot everyone at one person, which worked quite well this game. And then my, I ready with my plasma and my heavy bolter. My plasma, gentlemen, and my heavy bolter then proceed to dispatch a scion between them. And now things become much more difficult because now he's facing a break test because he's starting to get flesh wounded. Half his kill team is dead, so things are not looking good there. And um, I managed to, I think, yes, I killed his leader who is standing on the middle point so that he is not holding the point anymore. So now it's uncontested. Oh, no, it is contested. He's just standing there. So I don't kill him. I wound him. I flesh wound him, which causes the break test that happens late in the morale phase. And at this point, we go kind of almost equal in points because I'm holding the point up on his side and I'm holding points in my half. He's only holding the center point in one of his points. So he goes up four and I go up four as well. So we are like one away from each other. And at the end of this round, he has to roll a break test because he's got flesh wounds on a lot of, on all of his guys. Uh, not all of his guys, uh, flesh wounds. And he's got three models dead. And he rolls his break test and he breaks. Which is terrible. That's terrible. Like you, you, you. So if you don't know what breaking means, your morale is broken and you have a global minus one modifier to everything. As into your hit, your wound roll. I believe it's your wound roll as well. Not injury rolls though. And that is crippling to almost every kill team out there. Like, I mean, it's just horrible. And in some games, it's actually the win and loss condition. And then now you have to roll for shaken. So each model that's shaken and the guys are split out. So his guy in the middle makes it. The one guy defending on the back on one side, he makes it. The other guy there as well. And then the one model that's holding the point on his furthest, on his left-hand side, is shaken. So shaken models can't hold points. They can't do any actions, they can't do any activities, but their passive ability is always active, just as an aside for the rules. And the start of round four, because he can't end the game, because he's winning at this point. I mean, he wouldn't want to concede because he's winning. You can't, you concede, you lose, obviously, and you can only start winning at the end of round four. Round four starts, and I charge my people into, I still stand in the open at his leader, and um, I charge my... A Reaver Sergeant deployed come with someone and the shaken model I just stole one of my intercessors up to stand there within two inches of him on the point. And at this point it's purely academic because uh, I kill his leader in the shooting phase and I hold the point there and I go to, I think I go to nine points whereas he stays on. I think he goes to six only. And at this point I think he concedes because there's no point in him continuing. Because he's broken, he could contest but I mean uh, it's really difficult for him, especially since he's not removed any of my models at that point. And that was that was really hectic because, I mean, it showed the power of my kill team. But also, 
I feel we both made, I made better choices with regards to being different models, like the heavy bolter and the plasma um, gunner were instrumental in me winning that game. Because yes, I know removing models are not, is, not a, is not a key win condition. However, it is important with regards to, if someone wants to contest points, if they have less models, they can't really contest points, which is really hectic. And I mean, the Scions have a five up save, I believe, four up save. With the plasma, it's a minus three, so they don't get a save. They just die, even with the supercharge, because it has a sniper speciality. So that was my game three. So I come out of the campaign 2-1, shocking, shockingly, at the end of um, the first season. I'm placed just behind. There are others who are 2-1 as well. I'm placed with uh, the likes of Mark, who is 3-0 with his silly eloquence and their dancing flippy pants. Um, and I'm not sure who else is 2-1, but I find myself reasonably close to the top not because I'm a good player but I think my pure luck really because my first game was pure luck there's no contesting that at all and my second game was a lesson in reading which is really important so it's a very big lesson we take from that I think my third game was more the lesson of superior firepower and positioning generally hurts things that can't shoot back you, so the best the best to quote an orc saying the best kind of defense is an offense and the best kind of offense is a really big one with lots of guns and I think that's what, what's really important there. So we have a break of three weeks and now I'm sitting and I'm looking at my kill team and I'm like, what should I change? There's so many things I think I should change. It's not supposed to be a, I mean, the, this I should change totally because I'd come into this expecting something totally different with regards to like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this? Like, I'm learning so much so far, and I mean, I'm, I am learning. I want to thank my opponents, both my opponents, Elaine and Scott. I learned so much in those two games, because now I know more about the game. Because there's so many factions, yes, you should read up on them, but I think when you actually play against them firsthand, you learn so much more with regards to what they can and can't do. And that's the more important thing, yeah? So that's my, my, my battle report. Very brief, and I know it's a bit incoherent. I apologize for that. But I mean, it's just... I try and point out the highlights of me learning. And I mean, eventually I'll get my opponents on. Uh, Michael did request when I said I did a podcast, the last thing about his game, and he said that's kind of rude that I didn't. And he would, he said he would spend the podcast complaining about my 11 saves, which are is highly likely. We also will do probably a community podcast where we have the kill team players together one Friday night, and I'll just hang out with the recording equipment and say, let's just have a chat about kill team, what do you think, and future of kill team and all these new things so yeah that's episode two of the tactical Reel podcast and what you can look forward to in the future is we'll probably do some news because games workshop has released some news now and then we'll continue with a bit of the battle reports but what i'm going to do is going to intersperse them with um, other episodes about you know kill team as a game what to get how to get in for the different factions make a list of all those things and just discuss them in the open not that i am a savant in any way but more just the fact that it's knowledge. It's things to learn. Because I had a discussion with a gentleman uh, last week who uh, wanted to play Kill Team. But the problem is he was looking at through the lens of 40k. And he was like, oh, it's so much to buy. It's so expensive. I have to buy so many things. And I told him, but I've not spent more than maybe 700 Rand on a Kill Team. And he's like, can't be. And I'm like, no, but that's, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. This, I'm not lying to you as a salesperson. I'm telling you this is a player. Um, I, that's what I've paid. And I've got a Kill Team. And that's what I've been using. Granted, it may not be the most tuned and fine thing, but I've been trading with people, and you know, you, I'm going to probably start kit bashing my Necrons 
well, it's another long story we'll talk about eventually, just to get into the game. And that's, that's the important thing is to get that information out there. Because I think people have long been associated with 40K with large armies, expensive models, large amounts of things. Whereas, yeah, you need the rule book and you have some miniatures and some dice and a measuring tape and a place to play and a dream in your heart and a song in your, I don't know, your ear, I guess. Um, that's all you need and you can continue playing the game. And it's really fun so far. I mean, I, I look forward to my Friday nights when I get to do Kill Team at Pandemonium Games. I mean, the community meets up. We start at 7 and we play Kill Team for the entire evening and Saturday afternoons as well. So I look forward to that. I mean, it's become a, a weekly thing for me. I set aside this time, 7 till 10 at night, 11 at night, playing Kill Team. I'm very excited to do that. All right. I've bothered you guys enough. Thank you so much for listening to the ramblings of this oldish 40k player, new oldish 40k player. Uh, I'll thank Pandemonium Games one last time for sponsoring the podcast with bandwidth, storage space, a place to pay, a place to spend my money on miniatures that I would otherwise not have spent on miniatures, but I don't regret it in any way, shape or form. So you can check them out on pandemoniumgames.co.za. And what I say in the podcast is if you have any comments, any critiques, anything you want me to discuss, anything you feel is important, do you want to give a shout out to your community? The only community I can give a shout out for is the one in Cape Town. We all play, we play, not all of us, but we play Pandemonium games. If you want to pop in for a game, we're free Friday nights, most Friday nights, most Saturday afternoons. There's a Kill Team chat as well on WhatsApp, which you can join. You can just send us an email, we'll add you. Or you can ask on the Pandemonium, Pandemonium store, the Facebook group, there you can just post on the page and say you're interested in kill team can somebody help you out and i'm sure people will be willing to help you at that point because the community this is one thing once again and i've said it in the last podcast and in episode zero this is such a friendly community such a positive community i have very little experience with wargaming but i have felt welcome every time i've walked in and I've played a game of kill team i've never felt there's no negative vibe. Yes, people get upset because of dice rolls. That is normal because dice hate everyone. Little pieces of acrylic can influence your life, obviously. But everyone's been positive. We joke around, we make fun of things, kill teams, and just, you know, the very nature of making 11 saves, Michael, at the end of a game where we tie the game or lose it horribly for the death watch and beat them is unlikely, but it happened. And that's the moments you remember, those key moments. Like, that'll stick with me forever. Similar to Scott's game of crushing defeat where I couldn't wound a single robot marine, essentially. But thank you guys for listening to the Tactical Reader podcast. Heartfelt thank you. What I would ask you to do is, besides sending all your comments, criticisms, and questions to the tacticalreader at gmail.com, check us out on iTunes, drop a review. Even if it's just, I enjoy listening to this podcast, or... Nox is talking out his ass. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's a bad um, kill team player. That's fine. I am a bad kill team player. I'm no skill in this game at all. I found that if I roll my saves and my if I roll hits and my opponent doesn't make his saves, I tend to win more games. It seems. Anyway, this is Nox signing off, guys. Thank you for listening once again, and I'll see you guys. Well, well you'll hear from me in the next episode. <laughs>